So just one verse of scripture uh, tonight, just as we close. There's no need to turn to it, uh, because you'll know it, I'm sure, very well. And if you don't, it's not a very long verse of scripture. It was quoted by the Lord on the night that he was betrayed. And as we've heard many times here, and I'm sure we know in ourselves, that the last words of any man are very important. And on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, and just before he, he left the upper room, and as Judas had went out into the night, and we maybe could even hear the clatter of Judas's sandals on the steps outside, the Lord Jesus turned to his disciples, and in John 16 and verse 8, he said, when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Lord Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit, that blessed person that would come whenever he would go. And he said that whenever he is come, he will reprove. The word is convince. It is the word to expose. And it is the word to convict the world of sin. That person that the Lord Jesus spoke about that night in the upper room is here tonight. That very same person. The person of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in this meeting tonight and you're not saved, as our sister Avril was saying, you'll know what uh, it's like whenever you sit in a meeting or you listen to a message or you read the Bible or you're in the company of other Christians. And this person of the Holy Spirit starts to convict you. To expose in your heart the, the sin that maybe you didn't even know was there. I'm sure maybe some of you have heard the story of the young boy who was in a car. It was the winter months and he was in the back seat and his parents were driving along the road and a neighbor was getting the house painted. And the painter was painting the house and the little boy looked out and says, look at that house, it's so white. And the painter was making a really good job, but that very night it snowed. And the little boy who was going back the next day back to school and he looked out and he said, Daddy, the house is no longer white, it's grey. It looked white whenever it was on its own. But whenever the perfectness, perfect perfection of snow came, whenever the purity of snow lay on the ground, the house looked as if it was grey. And you know, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does in all of our lives. Whenever we're, we think that we're so good and we, we think that we've never maybe committed any real big crimes and we think that we're a good person and we go to church and we do the right things and we, we say the right things and we, we've maybe never murdered anyone or robbed a bank. We've never done any of those big things. And we look at ourselves as the White House. But whenever you and I see ourselves in the light of the Word of God, whenever the Holy Spirit, this person that the Lord Jesus was speaking about, whenever he starts to work in our heart, he removes the veneer of whiteness and he shows us our depravity inside our heart. And the person of the Holy Spirit, he comes to convince, he comes to expose, he comes to convict of sin. And I want you to come with me for a moment or two tonight and we're going to see some people that he convicted. I want you to see the first man that ever lived. His man, name is Adam. And Adam is in the Garden of Eden. He's walking in the, 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 the presence of the Lord. Everything is perfect. 
He knows what it is to walk in the cool of the day and, and the Creator comes down and communicates to him. And he walks with him and he talks with him. And Adam didn't have any clothes on like you and I have tonight because Adam was, he was dressed with the Shekinah glory of God. God wrapped him, clothed him. And there came a day whenever the, the, the devil came, the serpent came, and he slithered into the garden, and there he, he deceived Eve. He beguiled her through his subtlety. And she took of the forbidden fruit, the fruit that God told her not to take. She took it and she brought it to Adam. And Adam knew what it was. He wasn't deceived. He knew that it was the fruit that God told him not to touch. And he took it out of the hand of Eve and he, he bit it. And all of creation heard the crunch. And whenever Adam disobeyed God and he ate of the forbidden fruit, there was something happened. He, he lost his covering. Because it says that their eyes were opened and they, they knew that they were naked. The first thing that came into Adam's mind was this shame. And you know, that's a wonderful thing that happens to every person whenever the Holy Spirit starts to work in their life. They get an overwhelming sense of shame. They start to feel the weight and the burden of their sin. Oh, I didn't think I would ever do that. I didn't think it was really that big a problem, that thing that I stole or that thing that I saw. But now whenever the Holy Spirit starts to work, when this person that the Lord Jesus was speaking about begins to expose your sin, whenever he starts to convict you of your sin, my, the white house that was once white now becomes gray. And you feel a sense of shame. And whenever Adam, my, he felt that shame, you know what he did? He went and he hid himself. He went among the trees of the garden and he made an apron of fig leaves to cover his shame. And my dear people, that's the first thing that most people ever do when the Holy Spirit starts to convict them. They, they try to cover their sin. And when the Holy Spirit starts to put his hand upon your life and he starts to reveal that you're not saved and you're not going to heaven and that you're not a child of God, you may be a church person, you may be baptized, you may be a nice person, but in the eyes of God, you're still a sinner on your way to a lost eternity. What happens is this person of the Holy Spirit, he starts to expose. He starts to convict you of your sin. The word convict is used in the court of law. It's used whenever a criminal is standing and there the judge is sitting and he, he makes that judgment guilty. And the man who was pleading innocent, you know what he becomes? He becomes a, a convict. He's convicted. And that's what happens to every person that gets saved. And I believe that's happening even tonight. That he starts to expose your need of salvation. And whenever Adam went into the garden and into the, in among the trees, he, he covered his shame. He tried to cover it. And maybe that's exactly what you're doing tonight. Maybe as Avril has been given her testimony, and you say, well, I'm not saved, and I know I need to be saved, but, <laughs> but I'm not too bad. But I, 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 I haven't hurt anyone. And you start, to, you start to cover your sin. And Solomon, the wise man of the Old Testament, said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth them and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And then whenever Adam was hiding among the trees of the garden, something wonderful happened. God came. And he came in the cool of the day, and he cried, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And Adam, oh, I tell you, you know what he said? He said, I was afraid. There was a fear came into his heart. And usually whenever people are under conviction, there comes a fear of God. 
And I want to tell you, my dear people, would to God we would see it again in our land, that people would feel this awesome convicting power of the Holy Spirit. There's another man in the Bible that felt the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and he was a king. He had plenty of money, he had plenty of respectability, he had plenty of responsibility. But there was a day whenever this king, he was just lying about and he, he went onto his rooftop and he looked out and he, he saw a woman and she was bathing herself and he, he longed in his heart to, to have her, to take her. And he got Bathsheba and he committed adultery with her. And then he murdered her husband. And he covered it all over. He did a perfect job. No one even knew anything about it. But the Holy Spirit came. And David said, my sin is ever before me. And he said, my tears have been my meat day and night. And while he was trying to hide it and while he was trying to cover it, there was a man of God came to David. His name is Nathan. And to cut a long story short, he looked into the eyes of David and he said, David, you're the very man. You did it. You did it. And that's exactly what happens whenever you're under conviction of sin. And maybe there's a young person here tonight and your parents don't know what you've done. No one else knows what you've done. And maybe an older person and you try to cover it and you try to deny it. But God would come and the weight of his presence and that shame and that conviction would weigh heavy upon your heart. And even while you may try to deny it, he would say, you're the very person tonight that I'm after. There's another individual in the Bible and his name is Judas. You remember how Judas sold the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then he came with the 30 pieces still rattling in his pocket. And he came into the garden where the Lord Jesus was praying. And he kissed the very door of heaven. He kissed him. He was the only disciple that never called the Lord Jesus Lord. He always called him Master. And he came into the garden and he kissed him. Ah, it was a false pretense. And there the Lord Jesus, it says that they bound him and they led him away. And it says in Matthew's gospel that Judas, whenever he saw that he was condemned, my, he repented. The word is, he was remorseful. He felt sorry for himself. And he came back with the 30 pieces of silver and he threw it down in the floor of the temple. And the Pharisees and scribes said, what is that to us? See thou to it. And here was a man who was under conviction. He knew that he did wrong, but he made the wrong decision. And the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, my dear people, will weigh heavy upon you. And just like Felix, whenever he heard the gospel, he, he shook like a sally rod. He vibrated under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And just like King Agrippa, he could say, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And the Holy Spirit was at work revealing and exposing his need of salvation. And just like the Apostle Paul, whenever he was going out, breathing out threatenings and slaughter, and he was going down to Damascus with a very paper a letter, letter in his pocket, a paper letter in his pocket, and there he was going down to persecute the Christians. It was there with the heavens opened, and the Lord said, Saul, Saul, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He was a man that was under conviction. And God was weighing heavy upon his soul. And let me ask you a question tonight. Is that where you are? Because if it is, it's a very blessed place to be. Because whenever God convicts you, he does it to save you. 
And whenever you resist the Holy Spirit, Stephen said that there's those that always resist the working of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says that my spirit shall not always strive with men. And there's men in Northern Ireland tonight, and they've heard the best of gospel preaching. They've known their need of salvation. And the Spirit of God came upon them and revealed to them, exposed their need. And there they fell under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. They fell condemned. And they felt uneasy under the presence of God. And they silenced the voice of the Holy Spirit and there's those tonight across our province and God is no longer speaking to them. And that's why the Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near today. If ye hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't do that. And if you're in the meeting tonight or listening and God has been convicting you and God has been weighing heavy upon you and exposing your sin, bringing it out into the open, never, never silence the voice of God because he may never speak to you again. And here the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he shows people the sinfulness of men. That's a wonderful thing. But not only does he reveal the sinfulness of men, he shows the holiness of God. Because he says when he is come, he will convict or convince or reprove the world of sin and of righteousness. And I can tell you, my dear people, that's the very thing that Adam discovered in the garden, that God is a holy God. He was gripped with that awesome fear that I'm going to come into the presence of the Almighty, the one who is marked by beauty and majesty and power and authority. And if God was to come down into this meeting tonight in his beauty and in his perfection and all of his majesty, every one of us would just disintegrate in his presence. The glory of God, if he was to come down, the real manifest presence of God, we would just disintegrate in these bodies. My dear people, that's the holiness of God. And Adam knew something of the majesty of God. And at this very moment, those angelic beings are crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And if you're not saved tonight, let me tell you, it's a holy God that you're going to meet. And that's why Amos, the little herdsman from Dekoa, he said, Prepare to meet thy God. To come into the presence of the holiness of God with sin, with an unsaved soul, with an unrepentant attitude. My dear people, as our sister has said tonight, there's only one place that people can go, and that's a lost eternity. The holiness of God. To be gripped with that majesty. Oh, it's the creator. It's the sustainer that I'm going to meet. It's not just some phantom in the air, but it's the one who knows my down-sittings and my uprisings. The one who understands my thoughts afar off. The majestic God of eternity. I'm actually going to meet him. Many of us, I'm sure, never met the queen. We'll maybe never meet Joe Biden. We'll maybe never meet any great famous man or woman in the world. But every one of us in this meeting tonight are going to meet God. Everyone. To stand and view his majesty. To stand and see his beauty and his authority. Oh, I tell you, my dear people, that's why you need to prepare to meet him. And that's why the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's why he comes and he convinces, he convicts, he exposes and says, look, you're not ready to meet him the way you are if you're not saved. You need to be born again. The reason why we need to be born again is because there's something wrong with our first birth. You remember whenever you were at school and you did something and the teacher would say, you'll need to do it again. There's something wrong with the first time. And my dear people, that's exactly what's wrong. We're all born in sin. But the moment that we repent of our sin and put our trust in Christ, we're born again, born from above. And the Holy Spirit enters, and I am born of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts, 
and he convinces of the sinfulness of man and the holiness of God, but he also talks about the willingness of Christ. In verse 14, it talks about here that he will glorify me. And the Holy Spirit will show you your need as a sinner. He'll make you feel uncomfortable. He'll make you feel ashamed of your sin and of your past. He'll make you feel guilty and condemned and he'll weigh heavy upon your soul and it'll just be like a weight and you'll want to get out of the meeting and you'll want to forget about God and eternity and your sin and reality and say, oh, I want to get away from it. I want to get to the farm or I want to get to my family or my friends, but God will keep his presence upon you. The convicting weight of the Holy Spirit and then he will reveal to you that you're going to meet a holy God. A God of majesty and power. But then there's something else he'll do. He'll point you to the person of the Lord Jesus. He'll point you to the man that died on the cross on your behalf. And there the Lord Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for you. He took the guilty sinner's place and suffered in his stead. And whenever you discover that, oh, I'm a wretch, all of my righteousnesses are filthy rags, I, I can't please God, I, I can't win merit with him, my good deeds won't weigh, outweigh my bad deeds, what is there I can do? I feel condemned, I feel convicted. Oh, thank God there's an answer tonight. And that is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, what he'll do is he'll open your understanding and he'll reveal to you that Jesus Christ is the answer to your very need. There's a verse in the Bible, I've been thinking about it all week in 1 John chapter 1, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And the Holy Spirit will bring that answer to you tonight. No matter who you are, no matter how much sin you've committed, no matter how much shame and guilt and burden there may be, I want to tell you there's enough power in that precious blood to cleanse you and forgive you and wash you and keep you, not for the years of time alone, but for all of eternity. William Chalmers, that man who went on to be a missionary in China, whenever he was a young teenager, he went with two other friends to hear an open-air preacher in Scotland where he lived. And they stood away back in the crowd and they began to mock the open-air preacher. They began to laugh at him and make fun of him and, and belittle him. And William Chalmers said that there seemed to be one verse of Scripture that was carried on the breeze. As we were mocking him and as we were belittling him, there was a verse of Scripture just came again and again on the breeze as the preacher preached, and it was the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And William Chalmers stopped mocking, he stopped belittling the preacher, and with tears coming down his eyes, he, he discovered the Holy Spirit revealed to him that all his sin and all his shame could be removed and taken away through the precious blood of Christ. And he was born again and saved by the grace of God and went out to be a missionary. Dr. Cook, and with us I close, was a theological teacher in England many years ago. He went across to America to what was known as the Parliament of Religions. And there there was a group of men used to get together. There was people that represented Mormonism and Catholicism and all of the isms of the world. And they were all given a period of time to speak. And he says that there was people got up, there was men got up and they talked about Muhammad and they talked about who he was and what he did. And he sat and he said, oh, how am I going to answer all of these questions? How am I going to exalt the Lord Jesus higher than any of these men? And then there was a man got up and spoke about Confucius. And then there was someone talked about Buddha. And then it was Dr. Cook's chance. And he got up in that great parliament of religions and all of the great thinkers and all of the great religions of the world were there. And he said to the men, he says, I've got beside me a woman. 
And she's a prostitute. She's ruined by sin. She's an alcoholic. She's, she's murdered. She's stole. She's a, she's a deep sinner. Her life is ruined and domineered by sin. Is there anything that Muhammad could do? And the man that was there who was speaking for, for Muhammad, he said, no, sir, there's no answer. Muhammad has no answer to a life like that. And then he said, is there anything that Buddha could do? And the man that was there representing Buddha said, no, sir, there's nothing that Buddha could do for a woman like that. She's so, she's so destroyed by sin, there's nothing that he could do. And on and on, he asked every one of the representatives there, he says, is there anything that your God can do? No, sir, no. And then Dr. Cook, what he did, he, he shouted up to heaven and he said, John, are you in heaven? John the Apostle, are you there? And he said, I'm here. And he said, John, is there any answer to, to this woman's problems? Is there any answer? Is there any solution to this, this lost soul? Is there anyone that can help? And John would shout down from heaven and say, yes, just read my book. He said, just go to the first chapter. He said, take her, take her to that lovely passage where I penned so many years ago. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Oh, what an answer tonight. What an answer. I wonder, is the Holy Spirit convicting you? I wonder, do you have what Avril has? Down in the valley that you have a peace in your heart. Because the Holy Spirit, whenever you're born of God, there's a thing that is called in the Scriptures, the witness of the Spirit. And you know when you're a Christian. It's not just the exterior. You have the peace with God. And you have the peace of God. And you know whenever you're born again. And you know whenever you've been washed in the blood. And you have that joy. And you have that freedom. Whenever you repent of your sin. And put your trust in Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus said he would do. Because whenever he has come, he will. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But my dear people, as I finish tonight and as we sing a hymn, never silence the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because if he speaks to you, he is never obligated to speak to you again. And for somebody here tonight and for somebody maybe listening, you may never hear that precious voice again. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And if you were to open your heart and just say, Holy Spirit, I am that sinner that you're exposing tonight. I am that defiled man or woman tonight. I feel the weight of your convicting power. But I'm sorry for my sin and I'm asking the Lord Jesus into my heart. You know what would happen? He'd save you in the very seat where you sit. Oh, my dear people, come with us. Come with us. Come with us. Get what Avril has. Get what I have. Get what so many here have. We didn't have to pay for it. We didn't have to work for it. Oh, it was all done long, long ago.